Yes, we can hear you. Can you put on your video? Because we Hello, good afternoon. Good. So if everyone can hear me, um, we need to start immediately. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for such opportunity to be able to share with your people. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the vision you've granted to your son and his team. I ask that as I come this afternoon, as someone who is um, in between, bringing in the wisdom of God to be able to achieve what they have in mind. I'm asking that you grant unto every one of us illumination, that it be a flow of understanding and knowledge in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If someone can hear me, uh, let me just see, just type. Oh, beautiful. Great. All right, so I want to say a big thank you to um, Reverend Paul Rotwa for this opportunity to be able to share with God's people. And um, I'm grateful for the great team, and I'm grateful for the vision that God has granted to his, um, to the body of Christ in your local assembly to be able to uh, go out for him. So for the next few minutes, I'll be talking about feed your focus. Actually, this should have been feed your focus and starve your distractions, right? But I just made it simple, feed your focus. I want to emphasize on focus and let's leave distraction aside because if you know the uh, original, then you can deal with the fake. So let's um, let's focus on focus, all right? So feed your focus. Um, sorry, I think once in a while I'll be asking if people can still hear me um, so that I just want to be sure uh, I'm not speaking to myself. All right, my name is Enoch Durotoye. I um, pastor Wisdom Christian Center in the city of Ibadan. And this is my second time speaking with Kingsville. Thank you so much for what you all do. Um, so let's start with feed your focus. The foundation of our focus should be order. So let me see. We can hear beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for that feedback. Order. I'm going to speak about two things that are critical because I'm not talking to corporate people. I'm talking to the church. So I'm going to set two foundations, and these two foundations have to be um, the foundation upon which I'm going to say everything I'll be talking about today. So let's look at the order quickly. So this is it. We must understand how this works. This is going to be my foundation, and i show you one more foundation, then we'll go into the main thing. Now, it's important you understand these two paradigms because it's going to help us is, is going to be the foundation of everything I'll be saying today. When God relates to man, we don't need an intermediary, general. So generally speaking, you don't need an intermediary. When Jesus Christ died, the cloth that is that was that was a partition between the inner court and the innermost court, that cotton was turned into two. And what that means is that man has direct access to God. All right? So this is generally speaking. Generally speaking. However, when it comes into ministry, there's a dynamic to that. When it comes into the ministry, what happens basically is that God reaches his people. But in the ministry, what God did was that he put a man um, 
that he, as a vessel for him to flow through to his people. So Jeremiah 3.15 says, God says, I will give you shepherds after my heart. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding? So you get that, Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you pastors, shepherds after my heart. Who will feed you? So three things are here. The one who gives shepherds, that's God. The shepherds, that's the intermediary. And then who we feed people, all right? So you've got God, you've got uh, the shepherd or the pastor, then you've got the people. So every time um, you have a local assembly, what happens in the local assembly is that there's a priest over that house. So that is the pastor, the shepherd, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, uh, the teacher, as the case may be, the reverend, as the case may be. So we need to have this understanding. What that simply means is that in the New Testament church, God gives vision not to everyone. You can have your individual vision for your life that God has given to you. But when it comes to a ministry, a church, everybody can't have visions. So what God does is that he puts a vision in the heart of someone. Now, what happens is that he gives him people who will help him. Who is the giver? The source is God. He gives a man and he brings people around that man to be to help him fulfill the vision God has given to him. I hope that is clear. Now, this is important because this was the singular mistake with the children of Israel. Psalm 105 verse 32. The Bible says it went ill for Moses because of the children of Israel. So there is God. Here is Moses on behalf of the people, but because of the people, Moses went into Herod, Psalm 105, verse 32. So it's important that when it comes into ministry, if we will fulfill what God has in store for a local assembly, we must understand this flow. So there's God, it gives vision to someone, and then gives people to that person to fulfill that vision on behalf of God. I hope this premise is clear, all right? I need to lay this foundation because some of the things I've seen has to do with this foundation. So that's number one foundation. Okay, so that's the order. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 33 also buttresses this point. For God is not a God of disorder, but is a God of peace as in all meetings of God's holy people. All right, so this scripture emphasizes that there is an order. This is the next order that I think it's important I, um, I, I let us know. Now, we must understand that even in a church, in a ministry, there are different layers of people. Now, this is not uh, mine. This is from uh, Requiring's book, The Purpose-Driven Church, where it talked about the five purposes of the church. So, if you understand the five purposes of the church, you will understand that there are different layers of people. So what it means, means here is the first layer is the community. Community is the street, the environment where your church is located. Out of this community, the local government, uh, the street, um, the, the, uh, the in, in, in what part of the street, the houses, now that surrounds you, that's a community. Out of this community, you find people who come to church once in a while. They are not members of your church. They are called the crowd. So these guys come in 
Wednesdays, the coming Sundays, Magellan Sundays, they're the crowd. But what happens is that the community are actually the unchurched. They go to church sometimes, they can go to uh, multiple churches, so they're not committed anywhere. They're the uncharged. The crowd are those who come Sunday, Sunday. All they do is they come on a Sunday, worship, pray, receive the blessing, and they go. No commitment whatsoever. But after the crowd, which are regular attendees on Sundays, then you have the congregation. The congregation are your members. These are the people who are involved in the things that happens in the church. So they, become, they belong to a soul. They belong to a unit. They are part of the church. They are members. But how of these members, you also realize that it's not everyone that has commitment for the church. So some members only come to church when it's necessary. They are involved with the outreaches of the church when it's necessary, but they don't have that full commitment. Out of those people, we have those who are committed. These are the maturing members. These people understand what the fruit of the spirit is. They understand their light, their salt. So they shine wherever they are. They glorify God with their lives. However, out of these committed, who are maturing members, you have people who have gone a step further in their commitment. And these people are the core. So these are the leaders. These are the unit heads. These are the people who are involved in projects in church. Their life is tied to the church. The resources is tied to the church. They believe in the church. They believe in the set man. They can go any length for the church. These are the core. Now, this is my second order. The first order is important. The second order is important because I need to tell you how this uh, tie together. So don't forget, community are the uncharged. The crowd are regular attenders. The congregation are the members. The committed are the maturing members. Then the core are the lay ministers. They're involved in this have to do with the church. So this foundation, it's important. I believe you are still hearing me. Please, if you're hearing me, I just want to hear a yes. I want to be sure I'm not speaking to myself. Just a yes, if you're hearing me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So having set this foundation, let's go into a few things. Now, this is it. Luke 6, verse 12 to 13 says, One day, soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. So look at the progression. At daybreak, he called together all. In other words, there were many. There were many. And out of this all, what he did was he chose 12. So these 12 actually became the apostles. So as a church, there's a vision for the year. As a church, look at the progression. At the break, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 out of them to be apostles. So watch this. If the church will continually reach out to people, if we continue continually reach out to people, it means that as a church, you must have more lay ministers, head of departments, head of units, um, the people who are operating as ministers. But to have more of such people, more of such people will come from those who are committed. And the committed will come from the congregation. 
the congregation will come from the crowd and the crowd will come from the community. So this is the way it works. Every church that's truly a church of God does one thing. It reaches out every time to the community. Why? Because it's from the community that those who come in, the crowd will come. From the crowd, we'll get a congregation. From the congregation, we'll get a committed. From the committed, we'll get a call. Now, when they become call or ministers, that is when we send them back into the community. So it's a circle. So if a church truly must leave, if a church truly must leave, let me tell you what happened. We must every time our outreaches of reaching out to people. Sinners are everywhere. So we must continually have this uh, vision of um, this is what we need to do to reach out to more people because it's as we reach out to more people in the community that we get a crowd. From the crowd, we get a congregation. From congregation, we get a committed and we get the ministers who are the call. And then we send the call back to the community. That is how the Church of Jesus Christ is meant to operate. I read a statistic some time ago that says that any church that retains five to six percent of every community, every crowd that comes from a community, you retain just five to six percent of the people who come as crowd. That church is declining. It's a declining church. Um, an average church retains about eight percent of the crowd that comes in, but a growing church retains 25%. So let me start that again. If retain five to 6% declining church of the crowd who comes in, if you retain eight to 10%, it's a normal church. It's a function of time. But growing churches retain 25% of their crowd. In other words, for every four persons that come into church, we should make sure that we have a system in place that turns that one out of four to becoming a congregation. And he or she grows to becoming committed and eventually becomes a call. That's important. So these backgrounds are key. And the reason is because Jesus Christ will choose 12 apostles out of all his disciples. Now that this is said, let me quickly say a few things. So at the beginning of the year, everyone is excited because, like I just showed you, our pastor, our shepherd, our reverend comes to share the vision that God has put in his heart. So this fact this is important because my understanding is that we've got uh, leaders here, uh, unit leaders, HODs, we've got ministers here. So let me show you the progression. So don't forget this five E's I'm about to share with you. It's called the five E's of a leader. The first one is envisioning. So what happens is that God puts vision in the heart of, like I, from the foundation I gave you, God puts vision in the heart of one man, not two, not three, in the heart of one man. And most times is the set man of the house. So the set man of the house comes and it says, while I was waiting on God, while I was praying, seeking God for the year, God puts this in my heart. So I'm setting an example. It could be that what God is saying is that this year we need to reach out to more souls, more sinners. And maybe we need to put number three. Maybe our target is this year we're reaching out to 5,000 souls. Now, when that number is mentioned from the set man of the house, the set man of the house 
will not be the only person to fulfill it. But God spoke to him and put that in a spiritual share. So God has given him the vision. That's called envisioning. So 5,000 souls. That's the vision. And this vision will be carried out by the people around him. God proclaimed the word, great at the company of those who get them fulfilled. So the first is envisioning, and this one comes from one person, and that is the set man. When the set man receives the vision, the first E, don't forget, is envisioning. All right? Now, I'll be asking you a question to be sure that you're with me. So the first E is envisioning. So make sure you understand the five E's because when I'm done, I'm going to ask you the order of the five E's. The next thing God seven does is that he engages. So the first level is he comes to his ministers or the pastors or the HODs, uh, depending on your hierarchy in your church. He comes in and he says, friends, ministers, pastors, this is what God has laid in my heart. That this year, we're going to have a lot of outreaches to sinners. And based on what God put in my heart, the target is 5,000 souls. Now, engagement simply means when God was speaking to you, no one was there, only you. So you knew what God told you. But because you are not the only one that will carry it out, then the man of God, the, the, the servant of God now comes and he gives this message to his leaders, the pastors, the ministers, the HODs, all the leaders. He shares with them, this is what God is telling me. When he's doing this, the members of the church won't be there. He's just talking to the leaders. Now, because there are leaders here, you need to listen to this. Pay attention to this. When God's servant shares the vision and he communicates the vision through engagement, what is supposed to happen is you as the leader, as the pastor, as a minister, should receive that, that vision. And that's why I shared with you. In the ministry, it is God, it is the shepherd, and the people. Right, God, uh, the shepherd, and the people. So if he communicates with the leaders, every leader here, you take what God's servant has given you. you. You absorb it. What's your job? I'm going to show you your own job now. When you absorb this, you now need to go. You now become, you now start your own again. You now start from your own envisioning. So you now go to your own units to your own team, you now go to your own cell group and say to them, we have the direction from God this year. And what we're doing is, so what you are now doing is, you now carry the vision. When you now go to tell your team, you are now engaging your own team. I hope that is clear. Please, if that is clear, I want someone to write in the chat box, that's clear. I just want someone to write, they just write with me, that's clear. I want to be sure this is clear, all right? Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So it's shared. Vision is shared. You take the vision when he engages you. You now take this vision to your team and engage your team. So the first is envisioning. Second is engage. Now look at it. The third one. The third one is enable. Envisioning. I see it. My reverend has told me. I've taken it. Engage. I'm telling my people. The next is enable. Enable here simply means that what does my team need to make this happen? 
what does the whole church need to make what the set man have communicated to the leaders and the leaders have communicated to their teams? What do we need to make it happen? Providing what you they need to make it happen is called enabling. Enabling. As a leader or unit leader or minister or pastor, never tell the people, just go and do it. Just go and do it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you need to enable them. So what do they need? Maybe we need spiritual preparation. Do we need video? Proverbs 21.1, the art of the king is in the hands of the Lord. Like a river supporter, he directs the Moses so by he wills. So maybe we need to pray. I'm going to tell you how this thing tied together. Maybe we need to pray. Maybe we need to have vigils. That is spiritual. You are enabling them spiritually. Maybe we need ambiers. Maybe we need posters. We will provide that for them. What you do, you are enabling them. Maybe we need a specialized uh, kind of uh, a van to do outreach. You are providing that for them. That is enabling. It's not enough to tell them, go, 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 go. No, no. They need to be enabled. Doing it vest, doing it megaphone. So enabling is understanding what they need to fulfill the vision and providing it for them. So don't forget envisioning. Next, engaging. Third, enabling. Number four E is energize. Now, the truth is that at the beginning of the year, everyone has energy. But my dear, when it comes to February, the energy is still there, March, April, May, the energy starts going down. That is typical of human being. We are leaking vessels. That's what we have. So it's important, not just ambition, not just engage, not just enable. We must know how to fuel each other. There must be energizing. So energizing can come from retreats. Okay, all the leaders, we said at the beginning of the year, we're going to have 5,000. So by March, I'm taking all the leaders out for retreat. What I want to do is, I want to check from the 5,000, how many outreaches have you had as a team? How many people have you been able to reach for Jesus? How many people have moved from the community into the crowd because of your outreach follow-up? How many people have been able to convert from a crowd to the coming uh, congregation? Now, what we're doing in March is that three days retreat, two days retreat, one day, we are energizing each other. If you give people vision and you go to sleep, say, oh, they are doing it. You have the greatest surprise by December 31. So there's need for continuous energizing. We can invite a speaker to come and energize us. Then we say by June again, another retreat. That is energizing. Without energizing, they will not be full to be able to make us accomplish the vision that God has given to us. So don't forget the first envisioning, engaging, enabling, energizing, and the last one is executing. We need to go to work, all right? So if you're following me, can somebody please help me write the five E's of a leader in their order? Somebody do that for me quickly. The five E's of a leader in the right order. Anyone? Let me quickly say, then I'm going to give you four points, practical points. When it comes to maintaining the vision, the focus. All right, sir. Thank you. So four points now. This is key. When it comes to maintaining the focus, friends, can I say this? The first thing you need, you need to believe in what the set man has envisioned. This cannot be overemphasized. Belief is key. Faith 
is key. So the said man has engaged us and has told us this year we're reaching 5,000 souls. Can I say this? If there's any person in leadership who in his heart has a doubt, you have the right as a leader, as a minister to say, excuse me, sir, reverend. Excuse me, sir, reverend. I believe in you. But sir, I don't think we can achieve 5,000. If you come out and you say that to the set man, can I say this to you? Beautiful, lovely. The reason is because no matter the vision, if, if the leaders that are engaged, because I'm speaking to leaders now, if you as a person, if you don't believe in the vision, can I tell you what? You won't achieve it. You won't achieve it. No way. So if God's servant says 5,000, I'm using 5,000 5, as an example. I'm using 5,000 as an example. If he says 5,000, the question is, do you believe it? Because if you do not believe it, no matter what the team does, envisioning, engaging, enabling, energizing, executing, my friend, it won't work. The power of belief is key. And I'm going to tell you a story. Look at the scripture, Mark. So I'm talking about the power of belief. Friends, if you're in, in this team, and what the set man or your leaders are telling you, don't believe it. Please walk up. Let, let me tell you something, a practical one. Yeah. Our church is 300 seater capacity if everywhere is filled, if everywhere is filled. Everywhere filled simply means our auditorium is 300 capacity if, if everywhere is filled. It simply means you need to maximize all the space. But everywhere is not because it means that you need to put all the chairs together. There won't be any space anyway, so it's small. Um, but I did say to them one day, I said, friends, I want us to get this place filled to the capacity so I got a team and we worked together with the old church. And then the day came, the old place was filled. People were standing outside. And while they were standing outside, we had a meeting. Then sir, thank you, sir. All right. So I, I, I engaged the team and I said, why do you think we had that success? And the team said, one of them raised up his hand and he said, pastor, we had the success. He said, Pastor, we had the success because we believed in it. I can't forget that statement. He raised up his side and said, Pastor, we had the success because we believed in it. Please, any vision that a set man wants us to focus on, we should never have a leader here listening to me who will not believe in it. It won't work. So you must be a believer in that vision. That's number one, okay? Let me quickly uh, leave that vision. Number two is that you must have the right team. It's key. 
so there was also a particular thing like that. Um, I had a team and we're about achieving. And then I heard from the team, somebody said to me, say, I said, Pastor, um, what you wanted us to do to reach out to people, he said, I don't have the gift of reaching out. You don't have the gift of reaching out. That person cannot be in my team because it means that we cannot achieve this together. So right team, it's important. I hope you also understand that when it comes to right team, you must understand the temperament of each person. There are people who actually want to focus on the vision of the church. But the thing is that their temperament might be affecting them. Example, you ask us to go out. There are people who are sanguine. They can easily flow and talk to anyone on the street, move from house to house, do this and do that. But there are also people who are reserved. They may not be able to do that, but guess what? They are equally important because some of them are very, very good when it comes to follow-up. You want to get the number, you want to get a contact, you want to make a call, you want to send text message, they are good. So you must have a right team, all right? You must have team, number one, who believe in what you're doing, and a team that says, we can achieve this. Everybody brings their expertise. Somebody's not sitting somewhere. It's time to go. Somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, I have a deck today. Oh, I'm sorry, I have something tomorrow. No, 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 you don't have that kind of a team. Wherever you find a right team who believe in a cause, Mark 9.23 says everything is possible with them. All right, right team. And, uh, okay, the next one, the first, don't forget, is believe. Believe. The next one is um, after believe, the one I just talked about now, is right team. Then the third one, friends, is key, is work. <laughs> friends, I cannot emphasize this. So I, I shared with you uh, when we had that project in church, and we said, I want to get it everywhere for you. It was an outreach. I am their pastor. We need to have right teams. Number three, please go to work. Faith without work is dead. Work is the spirit of faith. So we need to go to work. The last thing we need to review, all right? Because of my network fluctuating, I think I need to stop here. But to keep the focus, please believe is key. To keep the focus, get right team. To keep the focus, get to work. To keep the focus, please, we need to review. So these are the